How's it going, Faith Promise? Did last weekend rock or what? Wow, unbelievable. God just continues to show up and show out. God continues to move. Uh, baptisms at virtually every one of our campuses. I know at Pellissippi we have 13 more lined up this weekend and many at the other campuses, so it's going to be another great weekend. <clears throat> want to welcome you at whatever campus you're at, whether you're at Mount Campbell or at Blunt, whether you're at North, <clears throat> excuse me, Anderson County, or whether you're around the world on the internet, we're thrilled that you're with us, or Pellissippi. We're thrilled to have you this weekend. Now, didn't Zach rock the house last weekend? Man. I remember watching, uh, waiting for Michelle one morning, and I was ready early, so I never, ever watched Christian TV. Nothing wrong with that. I just don't watch it, but I clicked it on and was channel surfing, and I saw six pastors and just waited until they panned the crowd. Six big churches, there wasn't a person under 65 in any one of those churches. And I said, they got about another 10 years, and it's over. And so, I mean, it's just, you know, it's good. And so I'm so grateful for the young adults, our young staff, for the next generation that are radically in love with Jesus. It's awesome. <clears throat> Grateful for our student ministries and our children's ministries and the hundreds and hundreds of people every week that sacrifice to serve so that we can really touch the next generation. Well, if you missed Friday night, we absolutely blew it out. There was somewhere near 800 women here. And uh, amen. I was not because I've tried to swim in a sea of estrogen and I've never done very well. So... I stayed at home and cooked a big fat steak and had a guy night at the house. So, but it was a great night. Uh, Michelle did an amazing job, Patsy and Brendan, the whole ladies' team, and it was just great. And there'll be tons of those ladies will connect in group, and spiritual formation will happen, and, and God is giving us just, there's just a wind of the Spirit of God across Faith Promise that is just palpable. Now, this Friday night, men's event, we'll be outside uh, do a little, do a little tailgating, have some fun out there. Then we'll come in, and uh, and we'll we will uh, get together. Joe Champion will share a message about men. It's going to rock, guys. You want to sign up, and uh, so you can do that online. It's going to be an absolutely amazing weekend. Are you glad to be in the house of God all the way across? Amen. We start our fourth installment, last one on the weekend. Two more weeks in small group in this alignment series as we learn how to let hope in. Too often we hold on to our past mistakes and we anticipate future failures because of it. Our brains have a way of allowing guilt to seep in and remind us of our sins. And then it plays in our minds over and over. Rather than just letting go, we feed reel after reel, frame after frame of disappointments, of hurt, blame, and continue allowing the past to dictate our present. Instead of sitting in the cold, dark theater we call our mind, 
to sit and replay these sins again and again. We need to learn to take a deep breath and let it all go. Turn off the projector, step out of the theater and walk into the present that God has for you. After all, God doesn't keep reels of our past. Why should we? We've all been to that theater, haven't we? Matter of fact, many of us spent thousands of hours in that theater replaying our past, replaying our sins, living in, a, in a, just a sea of regret and worry and concern and why didn't I do better? And, and, and let me tell you who's in that projector room running those reels. It's not God. It's the devil. Because he keeps us trapped in that theater. And because we're in that theater looking at how we've all blown it, how we've all sinned, how we've all failed God and our friends and our family, we think that we can never move forward. And so we sit immobilized, paralyzed as we analyze and look at our past. Well, I'm here to give you some good news. Because of the blood of Jesus, your past is fully and freely forgiven, and we can move on. It is first and 10, baby, first and 10. And so let's move on. Let's march on. Let's take a minute to review the last three weekends of Let Hope In. This is our fourth choice. We've talked about three choices so far. Choice number one is this. Choosing to transform your past, not to transfer it to your present. Choice number two was choosing to be okay with not being okay. None of us are perfect, are we? Thank God for the grace, the blood, the mercy, and the unfailing love of Jesus. Choice number three. And I hope, listen, if you missed last weekend, you need to get this message. You need to go online, go to our app, download it, podcast it. Zach did the weekend last weekend and is choosing to trust rather than to please. Because as we trust God with our sin to forgive us, instead of trying in our own power to please God, because there's no way to please God without trusting God and giving him full access and freeing us and walking. Does that make sense? So we're going to talk about the last choice this weekend. Now, we still had two more weeks in small group that we'll be going through this series, but almost all of our alignments, we'll do the series for four weeks, and then we roll into, uh, then we do two more weeks that's, that we deal with in small group. So uh, I want to, when, when I grew up, I had a, one of my best friends growing up, actually I haven't talked to him in 25 years, and I called him today because I was reviewing this message and I was thinking about it. And we grew up, and we grew up in, you know, in a bad part of town, and so we grew up fighting, not each other, but getting into fights. And so my buddy was the king of the sucker punch. Because he was the king of the sucker punch, he rarely lost a fight. Now, especially in high school, you remember high school? You know, you know, you hit me, you know, you hit me. Well, my buddy, you did not say it twice. You know what I'm telling you? You push back and forth, and then finally there's a fight. Because, see, the fights on TV is not what real fights look like. That's crazy. The real fight lasts about 10 seconds. And somebody's beat up and somebody's happy. My buddy was usually happy. Because when somebody was aggressive and he knew that a fight was going to ensue, he just figured he'd win it. So he hit him right in the nose, 
But before they ever knew they were hit, he punched him 23 more times and they were down on the ground and they were out. It's over. Just, I mean, they never even knew there was a fight and it was over. So, you know, I hope you don't ever get a fight, but if you do, sucker punch, baby, sucker punch. Now, the reason that I tell you that story is because we've all been sucker punched. Not, 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 in, not in a fight where somebody took the first shot that you didn't know was coming, but we've all had the sucker punch of betrayal. We've had somebody ditch us, diss us, divorce us. We've, we've have been abandoned, done wrong, abused. We have uh, been abandoned. We have been physically or sexually or emotionally or in some other way abused. We have felt neglected. We felt left out. We've all felt those feelings, right? We've all been sucker punched. And when you're sucker punched, you just are not going to win the fight unless your head is made of concrete. Because somebody hits you in the nose, your eyes start watering, then you can't see them. It's not a pleasant experience because they can see you. Because their eyes are, they're not watering because they have a, you know. And so we, we've, we've all been, we, we've all been sucker punched a betrayal. Would y'all agree with that? Every campus, listen, we've all experienced it. We've all done it. And let me just give you some, the, a thought. If you don't deal with that betrayal, it will assault you for the rest of your life. See, the pain might have been 50 years ago. The betrayal, the sucker punch, the hurt, the abuse, the abandonment, whatever. It could have been forever ago in your past. But if you haven't dealt with it, it's going to keep rolling around into your present and your past is not your passive, it's still affecting your present, and it will assault you over and over and over again if you'll allow it. Does that, does that make sense? And so because of that, that's just one of the ways that, that we have all been prisoners of our past. All of us, to one degree or another, have been. And none of us wants that, but because we're a prisoner of our past, that past taints everything that we touch today. Our relationships. Many of you wonder, you know, why? How come I, I, I'm on my fourth marriage? I'm on my fourth business partner. I'm on my twelfth group. Why can't I get close to people? What, what's the deal? Well, many of us, it's because our past has tainted us, and because it taints, taints everything that we touch, it poisons our present because we haven't dealt with the past. Does that make sense? Now, you may have even forgotten about it, but it changes your heart. It affects you. You know, we're all on this Bible reading plan, and I was reading Psalms this morning and going through the, I hope you're still on the plan and you're still pressing through with us. And, and, and so I was reading Psalms, and, and David said, everybody's against me. Everybody's after me. Well, we, he doesn't have the full revelation we have. We know that we don't battle against flesh and blood, that people are not our enemies, Right? But David didn't know that. So every time I see David talking about his enemies, I think about the past. I think about the devil. I think about all those things. And David, who loved God's heart, grew hard because if you read it, he wants God to thump some people. You know what I'm talking about? Smite them, almighty smiter. I mean, he is always looking for God. Hey, kill them, wipe them out, don't forgive their sins. Hey, kill their kids. And their grandkids. Like, you ever read the Bible? And so, and I was reading this morning thinking, oh my, David's past is poisoning his present. David's heart is hard because he's been sucker punched and he hasn't dealt with it. 
Does that resonate? So choice number four, choice number four is this, choose to free people rather than hurt people. And I was reviewing all four of them this morning on my deck, spending time with the Lord, and I was trying to think which one would be more important. I couldn't pick one. I couldn't pick one. But I love this quote. Theologian uh, Lewis Smeads said this, our hate does not even have the decency to die when those we hate die. For it is a parasite sucking our blood, not theirs. Woo! Is that, is that sort of a low blow? I mean, it just is. See, but it's so easy as humans to justify bitterness, to justify, to justify our anger, to justify that we refuse to forgive someone who has sucker punched us. We're not forgiving it. They hurt us. We remember it. It's painful. It's still painful. And we are not going to let them off the hook. I have the right. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how bad they hurt me. I know the people that sex abused me. I know the people that physically abused me when I was a little boy. I got that. I understand hurt. I understand the pain of the past. But what I also understand is this. If you're listening, say I am. Bitterness contaminates everything it touches. See, bitterness is the only poison that joys the vessel that carries it. See, you're bitter at someone who sucker punched you. They could be dead or alive, but they don't care about you. And your life is being ruined because you're bitter at them. They still have control over you. Is that, now, is that stupid? The person that hurts you still has the keys to your victory? Come on. Listen, this weekend we're going to take the keys back. Come on, we're going to take the keys back. Again, bitterness is like gangrene. I remember years ago when I was working my way through seminary, I, was, I did painted houses and did additions, and I was putting carpet in a, in a really bad part of town, and I tore all the carpet out and did the job, and I got home, and I noticed my knee was swollen up, and there was a big, huge white thing in the middle. Well, I'd been, I'd been bitten by a spider. Well, that wasn't too bad. The knee swelled. That was all right until red lines started running up my leg. You know what I'm talking about? Well, that bothered me. Because I didn't know where it was going, but it couldn't be good. And so when we have bitterness within our heart, it's traveling through our body like a virus, like gangrene, ruining everything in your life, your business, your ministry. Listen, it ruins your walk with God. Because, you, because you've let this bitterness in and you're, see, you can't just harden one part of your heart towards somebody to sucker punch you and keep the rest of your heart soft. See, that hardness covers all the way through. Now you're hard-hearted at them because they sucker punch you, but you've also got a hard heart toward God. You've got a hard heart toward the people that love you the most. You've got a hard heart and not even realize it because when you harbor that, when you choose to hurt people, rather than free people, when you choose not to forgive rather than to forgive, then you are allowing your heart to become a calloused, hard stone in your heart. That's why, you ever met an older person that's just mean? Mean as a striped snake. And you ask their family members, have they always been mean? No. No, they got older and got mean. See, we think people mellow out. They don't. 
They get mean. I'm worried. I Listen, I'm serious. I'm worried about that. I tell Michelle all the time, I don't want to be a crotchety old man. I want to be a good-looking, Jesus-loving old man that everybody loves. Come on. And so, man, I'm, I'm, concerned. I'm serious. I look at people in my family that are old and mean, and I say, oh, gag, I don't want to do that. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But see, the only way for us to grow old and have a soft heart is not to allow bitterness and unforgiveness to canker our, our heart. Does that make sense? Now, I'm going to tell you something that I have never thought of until this series. This thought came from Pete Wilson. It didn't come from me, so I can tell you. It's an unbelievable thought. Are you ready for it? No, you're not ready. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Uh, come on, Blunt, Campbell, Anderson, man. Listen, this is the deal. You say, but I'm not going to forgive them. Let me give you a whole new thought. This is awesome. You don't forgive them for them. You forgive them for you. Amen. See, I thought if I forgave him, it was for them. <laughs> I mean, look what these people have done to me. I'm not doing it to them. I'm forgiving them for me. Because I don't want to grow and be crotchety, mean, and antagonistic. So the way that I can have a soft heart is forgive them. I'm not doing it for them. Do they deserve forgiveness? No, they deserve to be sucker punched back. But oh no, man, no, no. I'm going to walk in forgiveness because of, I'm going to do it for me, not for them. Now, if you've been reading in our, in our Bible, this was unbelievable. Read this in just the last couple of days in our Bible reading plan that the whole church is going through the year, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. This is what God says. Listen to this. I, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions. He said, I'm the one that gives all your sins for my own sake. For, for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. And then it dawned on me. See, God wanted a relationship with us, right? The only way that God could have a relationship with us is to forgive our sins. He didn't forgive your sins for you. He forgave your sins for him because he wanted a relationship with you. See, we think, well, God forgave me because he loved me, and he does. John 3, 16, I'm not saying God didn't love us, but God's primary reason to forgive us was for him, not for us. That's, a, that's awesome. So when you're thinking, well, God's mad and you're stuck on path number one for last week and you're thinking all those things, well, no, no, wait a minute. God forgave me for him. He threw my sins away for him so that I could have a relationship with him. So that's a, is that radical? I mean, listen, we could stop now. You could go home and cogitate, meditate, saturate on that for days. This is good. It's good. See, but the problem is this. Hate makes us want to hurt people that hurt us, not free them. Because payback is human nature. The Old Testament law, an eye for an, a tooth for a, you hit me, I, you steal from me. It's just the deal, man. It is, it is so inbred in us to, to literally to, to pay back, to get even. You got me. You sucker punched me. It's coming, Jack. You don't hate them, but I turn you back. I'm finna get all up and over you here in the house. You know what I'm talking about? And Jesus, I, if you've been around church, you are going to have heard this story. If not, it's going to be brand new to you, and this is going to rock your world. Matthew 18, Jesus 
tells the story. Matthew 18, 24 through 27, this is what he said. When he began to, to settle them, the one, uh, when he began to settle them, one who owed him, now there's a king talking to a servant, 10,000 talents was brought to him. But said he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children, all that he had, and repayment be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. Now, Jesus is telling this story because Peter's asked a question. Pete, don't you love Peter? The disciple with a foot-shaped mouth. I love, I love Peter. And so Peter asked Jesus a question in the beginning of Matthew 18. And Peter came and said to him, Lord, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Now, Peter felt magnanimous this day. And he said up to seven times because it was really three. In that culture, it was three. Heard me three times, four times, look out, Jack. And Jesus said to him, do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven, are we citizens of the kingdom of heaven? We want access and influence, and we want to walk in the kingdom of heaven. Many will be com- uh, of heaven may be compared to the king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And then we get that part that we read where, where, uh, where he brings him, brings him in, guy owes him all this money. Now, the servant is standing before the king in the court. And the king says, pay me what you owe me, 10,000 talents. Pay me what you owe me. And the servant, you think that servant felt humiliated? Let me tell you what the servant felt. He felt terrorized and fearful because there was no way under God's heaven that this servant could pay back 10,000 talents. It wasn't possible. There was no way out. And, and what was going to happen, it was going to be a huge cost to him. The king was going to sell his wife, sell his kids, his grandkids, and his great-grandkids. 10,000 talents, an average wage. You know how many years it take you to pay this debt off? 160,000. So when Jesus is saying this, he says, a servant owned a king $43 trillion. And the king said, pay me. <laughs> Government couldn't even pay that. So there's, there's, give me a chance. Well, the king knew he couldn't pay, right? There's no way the king knew what was going on. And in verse 27, and the Lord of the slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. See, the, 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 the king, the owner, felt, he felt compassion. He, he, he reached out and said, okay, listen, I forgive you. Now, what I want you to understand is the debt didn't disappear. The servant got the 160,000 years worth of salary. I don't know what he did with it. If he was a business venture, it was huge. I don't know what he did with the money, but it's all gone. And there's no way. See, whenever a debt is forgiven, somebody paid it. There is no free lunch. There is, I mean, there's no free lunch. It doesn't work that way. And so somebody, so what happens? The king absorbs the cost out of his own treasury, hundred and I mean ten thousand talents. It didn't disappear. He absorbed it. He took the loss. He couldn't even claim it on his taxes. 
It's just a loss. Now, in this, in this uh, story Jesus is telling, who is the owner, the king? God. Absolutely. It's called a parable. The owner is God. Who is the servant in the story? We are. We are. Because every time you sinned, every time you had a lustful thought, every time you were angry, every time you lied or cheated or stole, every time you, that you stepped over the line and you sinned, it was piled up and piled up and piled up and piled up to the point that it couldn't be paid for. You couldn't atone for your own sins. You couldn't pay for your sins. You had a debt. You couldn't pay. And so what did Jesus do? He absorbed the cost in his own body. Isaiah 53 because his stripes, his suffering, his death, his sacrificial death on the cross, he took all of our sins, he climbed up on the cross, he absorbed everything, and he died for it, and he covered it with his blood. Does that make sense? Amen. Come on. Awesome. And so the servant's off the hook, just like Jesus set us free. We're off the hook. Man, I, that's awesome. It's, we're off the hook from our sins. So now... This, this servant has been forgiven, fully restored, freely forgiven. He's back. He doesn't know anybody anything better than bankruptcy. I mean, this guy now is, he's slick. So how do we respond to that? Jesus knew exactly how we would respond to that. So in Matthew 18, verse 28, Jesus carries on the story. But that slave, the slave had just been forgiven 160,000 years of debt went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. Eh, three months' wage. Owed him ten grand. And he seized, he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. His fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. And he actually could. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. There was a debtor's dungeon, a debtor's prison. His family, his wife, his kids are sold. This guy who has been forgiven more than could be calculated turns around and grabs the fellow slave by the throat, choking him, pay back. We've all been sucker punched, haven't we? And what we want to do is grab him by the throat and say, you're going to pay for that. When we have been forgiven a debt that cannot be calculated. Is, does that rock your world? Man, it's just my heart just does, my, my heart just does, man, just leaps when I think about this. See, he said, you're not sticking me with that three months worth of debt. You're not doing it. I'm going to make you pay. Retaliation is standard operating procedure for people. Does that make sense? I want to tell you something. So if you're listening, say, I am. I am. Authentic forgiveness is never cheap. Real forgiveness always costs someone something. Your salvation costs the Son of God to be crucified on a cross, raised from the, ground, raised from the grave after the third day, visit 500 people and send back unto heaven. Listen, it cost, didn't it? It cost. Now, we won't pay back. We, we do. We won't pay back. But for, to, you know, to, we, we, have to, we have to be forgiving. Matter of fact, do you know that we're most like God when we forgive? 
when we let people off the hook, when we say, hey, when we swallow the cost, when we think about Christ on the cross and whatever anyone's done to me doesn't even compare to what I did to him, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. But see, when you, when you give forgiveness out, it breaks down the barricade of hate. Is it easy? Absolutely not. So to forgive, God's strength is required to let people off the hook. We breathe in grace, we exhale love. We breathe in grace, we exhale forgiveness. Walking in grace and giving out grace, we're totally dependent upon God for that. So I'm going to give you three quick obstacles that are keeping many of us this weekend from letting people off the hook. Are you ready? Obstacle number one, forgiveness is not condoning. See, we believe if I forgive you for what you did to me, that means I condone what you did. The sheer fact that someone needs to be forgiven means the sin was done. A hurt was perpetrated. A sucker punch happened. A betrayal. You're not, you're not condoning them. You're not excusing them. You're not excusing your pain. Forgiveness means a wrong was done. But forgiveness honestly deals with the sin and the issue. Just like we ask God to forgive us. It doesn't, it doesn't condone. Number two, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Well, if I forgive them, does that mean I got to let my low-life cheating husband back in? No, it doesn't. Does that mean I've got to go back to my business partner that ripped me off for a million bucks? Does that mean I've got to go back and play golf with him? Not unless he pays. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Because, see, sometimes because of safety, sometimes because of reason, you can't. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, if possible, that, mean, that means it's not always possible, doesn't it? If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men, even those that sucker punched you. But if that person won't acknowledge that they won't confess and repent, if, if you can't deal with the issue on the table, maybe there won't be a relationship in the future because all relationships are built on trust. And so if, if, if you can't trust that person, you can't build back a relationship. I talk to people all the time. You know, I, I mean, they won't, they won't forgive me. A lot of times people forgive, but they don't want to walk right back in. Forgiveness is granted. Trust is earned. Are you with me? If somebody's proven you can't trust them, then you can forgive them, but they've got to prove that you can trust them before you give them that option again. Number three, forgiveness, forgiving is not forgetting. The reason we need to forgive is because we remember. Does that make sense? See, forgetting is passive. Maybe over time, it begins, the, the pain begins to subside and, and you begin to, it begins to go way back in the recess of your mind. Forgetting is passive. Forgiving is active. A conscious, deliberate decision that I am going to forgive is a choice. It's what we do. Now, we can't forget. God says, I'm going to throw your sins as far as east and west, and I'm not going to remember them anymore. It means I'm not going to mention them. I'm not going to recount them. I'm not going to dwell on them, and I'm not going to talk about it. That's what God says. Now, if someone has hurt you in the past, telling everybody about it doesn't help it. Does that make sense? Talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. Matter of fact, it may be the worst thing you could do. Now, you can go to a counselor, and you'll have to recount a story. I understand that. And I use my testimony. But, man, I've forgiven every, I have a relationship with everybody that abused me. To still today, I have a relationship. Everybody, the guys that sex abused me, physically abused me, I have a relationship with them today. I'm, I'm, nobody 
that hurt me and that sucker punched me in the past is going to hurt my walk with God today. Because God's too important. I don't do it for them. I do it for me and God. Does that make sense? Let them off the hook. Choose to love over hate. Somebody sucker punched you. Your spouse was, you know, committed infidelity. Your business partner ripped you off. Somebody in your small group told someone something that you said. Somebody lied about you. Somebody abandoned you. Maybe your dad bailed on your brothers and sisters and your mom, or maybe your mom bailed, or maybe, you know, it was a teacher that took advantage or someone that that sucker, but we've all been sucker punched. But if we don't forgive, Jesus concludes the story in verse 31 through 35. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved because this guy had been forgiven so much but wouldn't forgive anything. And came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? Are y'all hearing that? Man, this is, this is the deal. And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers. Now listen, I want you to get this. Red letters. Because we choose not to forgive, we choose to be tortured. We choose to stay in the dungeon of the debtors. We choose to ruin our relationship. We choose to hurt people. We choose to do all this stuff. Why? Because we refuse to forgive until he should repay all that he owed. He was turned over. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Now, would y'all agree that there's some people in debtor's dungeon this weekend with all 6,000 of us at Faith Promise Church this weekend? Would y'all agree with that? You know the stupid thing about that? The door's unlocked. It's unlocked. The dungeon door is unlocked and wide open. All you've got to do is release Forgive and step into freedom. That's all you got to do. That's it. Just like Jesus said, forgive from your heart. Just forgive. But what about what they did? Do you want to ruin your heart? Come on. Let's don't be blind. Let's don't be deaf. Let's don't be dumb. Let's realize all that Jesus did for you. Nobody has hurt you the way that you have hurt Jesus. None of us. None of us. You say, what did I do? He absorbed all of your debt into his body and died for that on the cross. That's huge. Would you all agree with that? And so, listen, let him go. Some of you right now, it's amazing. I can see it on your faces. Names are rolling right now. You're just thinking about, boom, boom, boom. You're thinking about the names. Let them go. Write them a letter. Some of them are dead. Write them a letter and take it to the cotton-picking cemetery. See, I love you. I forgive you from my heart. Throw it on the ground. Leave. Let it go. With the heads bowed and eyes closed, man, if, you're, if God is bringing to your mind some people and you just, hey, pray for me, Pastor. Man, I got it. Just go ahead and raise your hand. Come on, every campus. Come on, Campbell. Come on, Anderson. Here we go, North Knox. Man, I mean people everywhere. Lord God, Jehovah, you are the forgiving, gracious, merciful God, and we are not. 
It's our standard operating procedure to hold a grudge. And God, we want to do what Jesus taught in Matthew 18. We want to forgive from our heart. We've been sucker punched, betrayed, and done wrong. We acknowledge it. We realize it. We don't minimize it. But we're forgiving these people right now. So every one of you, just let them go. Tell God in your heart, I forgive that person. I forgive that person that abused me. I forgive that person that abandoned me. I forgive that person that walked out on my marriage. I forgive that person that that hurt my child. I forgive that person that stole my money. I forgive that person that lied about me. I'm going to forgive that person that sucker punched me and knocked the air out of me and beat the crap out of me. I forgive them in Jesus' name. I will not live in a debtor dungeon. I will walk in forgiveness. I will walk in freedom. I will walk in victory. We're going to let that hope in because Jesus died and we're going to walk. We believe it. We give it. And in Jesus' name, we pray it. And all God's people said, somebody give God some praise in the house. Oh, my. Now, some of you have never, because of your sin, because you sit in that movie theater and you replay those reels, You've never come clean with God. You've never given your heart to Jesus because you, you're, you've said, I've done too much. I, I've done this. I've done that. God can't forgive me. Oh, yes, he can. He's a big God. And his son died on the cross to pay for your sins. Matter of fact, it's just a gift. All you have to do is reach out and receive it. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. Salvation is by grace through faith. It's a gift. It's just a gift. And so right now, God wants you to give you the gift of salvation. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're ready to open your heart up to Jesus across all of Faith Promise Global right now, just right, would you pray with me? Come on, Faith Promises, pray out loud with them this confessional prayer. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned, and I'm sorry. I know you died for my sins. You paid for them. I received that gift. By faith, I confess you as Lord. My Lord, come into my heart. I give you my life. Help me to walk in freedom, forgiveness, and all that you've given us. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, give him praise one more time. Wow. Now we're going to be dismissed in just a second. Internet campus. There's a communication card you can go to, or you can go to the chat room, and there are people waiting to pray with you, talk with you. And by the way, guys, I want to really encourage you, utilize the Internet Campus. I invite people to the Internet Campus. There was a couple last weekend on Saturday night at, at Pellissippi that came. He was shipping out, the, uh, or well, it was last week, I don't remember the service. He was shipping out overseas as a, a, in the service, and she was going to be left behind. I said, hey, let me tell you what y'all can do. Y'all can go to church together at our, at our internet campus, and you can be in the chat room, and you guys can worship together right, but, and separated by a world away. The principal at Carnes, when she started coming, her husband is a lifer and had a year to retirement. She said, we go to the internet campus. My husband and I, we worship together even though he's around the world. And so use the internet campus. Invite people to it. Invite friends to it. People can check us out, and then they come to one of our physical campuses. It's an unbelievable deal. By the way, when you leave their financial classes, you can sign up for Man, if you're, come on, guys, let's, let's get a handle. Let's make money serve us and not let us serve money. Let's serve God while money serves us. 
And so you can sign up for those out there. Uh, man, thanks for your generosity, all you do. Hey, is, is God rocked in this series? Man, awesome. Wow. There are going to be some, if you pray with me, you can take your communication card, you can fill that out, drop in the offering box. You can come down, there'll be some prayer people. If, man, guys, just, there's a real burden that you want to pray with somebody, our pastors and prayer folks will be down here when this service is over. Or take whatever you need, put it on a communication card, drop in the offering box, and, uh, and we'll be in touch with you. God is doing the work. Now, Saturday night, everybody's gone, but just us and the internet. It's just us. We need, Saturday night's got to rock. Amen? It's a great service to invite people to. You see, you see those two black curtains right there? They're not open. That bothers me. You know why they're not open? Because we didn't need the seats that are behind them. And some of you desperately wanted to sit in those seats. But you were drug out by one of our huge hulking ushers. Now let's invite people. Listen, today the game was over. Matter of fact, people need to come to church and, and just sort of try to get the joy back after the game this afternoon. <laughs> Amen. So, man, bring your friends. Let's rock this out. Let's let Saturday night be the biggest service we have. We love you. Be blessed. See you guys next weekend.